You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. ISIS security breaches may be threatening its narrative. The U.S. considers indicting hackers working for foreign intelligence services. Security researchers critique industry standards. Phishing continues to spread ransomware and scoop PII, but alert staffers interdict a billion-dollar bank heist, and they do it with their proofreading skills. Investors find the cyber sector less frothy, but it's still not a bear market, and the U.S. continues to look for a way through its crypto civil war. I'm Dave Fittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, March 14th, 2016. As we await developments in the reportedly imminent U.S. indictment of Iranian hackers allegedly responsible for pre-attack reconnaissance of the Rye, New York flood control dam, observers speculate about the purposes such indictments serve. On the one hand, it's unlikely in the extreme, although not impossible, that cyber operators working on behalf of national intelligence services would come to stand trial in a U.S. court. It's even unlikelier that their home government would decide to extradite them to the U.S. But such indictments are thought to serve diplomatic purposes and also to introduce some friction into the operation of hostile intelligence services. Individual operators are thought to become less focused, less aggressive, when they consider the possibility that the famously dogged FBI has identified them as the person behind the keyboard. As we post, the expected indictments have yet to appear. We'll continue to follow the story. ISIS continues to worry about recent security breaches, including, but not limited to, the USB drive with Caliphate HR information, a disgruntled jihadist turned over to Sky News, and apparently to various Western intelligence services. The disquiet is thought to extend from command levels down to individual fighters. The individual jihadists are increasingly asking who's minding the security store. How the intelligence services of countries opposing ISIS make use of the leaks remains to be seen. For now, however, the narrative of competence and effective religiously sound governance ISIS has been at pains to build seems to have taken a bit of a shaking. Hamas returned to the information wars Friday. The Palestinian Sunni group hacked the Israeli version of the Big Brother reality television show, displaying images of objectionable Israeli actions and animations of Hamas car crash and knife attacks, accompanied by threatening pro-Hamas text. Security researchers offer some interesting proofs of concept and critiques. Jose Carlos Norte has written JavaScript code that, by extracting information about user behavior and resources, seems to offer the prospect of de-anonymizing Tor users. 
He hopes Tor developers will take the threat seriously, and they apparently have, closing off this particular form of fingerprinting. In the meantime, if you're a Tor user, you might consider disabling JavaScript in your browser. Insofar as critiques are concerned, Google Project Zero researcher Tavis Ormandy, speaking for himself and not Google, claims that across the sector, cybersecurity firms are too retro, too 1990s for the proper security of their own code. He grouses that many of these firms, with Komodo being a recent but by no means unique example, often receive industry-awarded quality certifications. To say Ormandy is skeptical of such certifications is to put it mildly. He writes in his blog, quote, Something has to change soon. The next slammer or coder isn't going to target IIS or MSSQL. The security of Microsoft products is in a different universe than it was a decade ago. All of the major security vendors are using ancient code bases with no awareness of modern security practices. It's still hacking like it's 1999. End quote. He invites industry commentary on his assessment. Phishing continues to be a preferred tool of cyber criminals. Recent hospital ransomware infections are examples of the technique's success. So are ongoing campaigns to pilfer taxpayer information from corporate payroll departments. We spoke with Joe Kerrigan of the Johns Hopkins University about the phishing threat. We'll hear from him after the break. If attention to detail and skepticism about email are the beginning of wisdom concerning phishing, we see another positive example of the recent attempt at a billion-dollar electronic heist targeting the Bank of Bangladesh via the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank in New York. Misspellings and wire transfer requests set the spider sense of Deutsche Bank employees tingling, and that stopped the theft from becoming more serious than it proved in the end to be. In industry news, cyber stocks rallied late last week, but there are plenty of signs investors are taking a more nuanced view of the sector. Tech industry layoffs and the imminent demise of Norse, whose directors are now engaged in selling off the former story stock's assets, are inducing investors to take a closer look at more classical indicators of value. Passcode reports that Norse's creditor foreclosed on it last week after Norse's board decided that the company was no longer viable. In the UK, the opposition Labour Party warns the government that the pending legislation over surveillance powers will need substantial overhaul before it stands a reasonable chance of passage. In the US, President Obama appeared at the South by Southwest Tech Conference last week to mixed but on balance skeptical reviews. He tried to strike an ironic note even as he strongly backed his Justice Department's stance on encryption. It's worth noting that his Defense Department, including NSA, doesn't share that stance, and has recently even sounded surprisingly techno-libertarian, but that wasn't the White House line at South by Southwest. The case in which the Justice Department is seeking to compel Apple's assistance in brute-forcing an iPhone used by a San Bernardino jihadist continues to work its way through the courts. That case seems about to be joined by a similar one in which the Justice Department seems ready to clash with Facebook over WhatsApp encryption. North Korea has denounced South Korean allegations of widespread DPRK cyber espionage as scurrilous fabrication and provocation. Specifically, it's BS fabrication, which shows that either Pyongyang or its translation services have a pretty strong mastery of demotic American idiom. There's nothing to it at all, says Pyongyang, just more of the usual warmongering from Seoul. We are content to leave judgment of the competing accusations' credibility as an exercise for you, our listeners. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. 
It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Uh, Joe, I want to just go through an overview of phishing and the various types of phishing for our audience. Let's just start off with phishing. Okay, so phishing is a, I guess it's kind of an older attack now. It's, it's, it's been around for a while. It's like a social engineering attack. I send out an email that looks like a legitimate email and it has a link that may not, that is not a legitimate link. And it got to start as, uh, as a, as a banking uh, scam to get people's login credentials for their bank. It, it would look like it came from their bank, and the link would look like it was a link to their bank, but the link wouldn't be a link to the bank. And then you click on the link, and it would look – the web page would look like the bank web page, and it would ask you for your login credentials, uh, and then the the attacker would have your, your bank login credentials. So uh, let's go through some of the other types of, of phishing. There's spear phishing. You can think of that as the same kind of thing. Phishing, you can think of as casting a broad net. I'm going to send a bunch of emails out, and maybe I'll get five or six people to respond out of out of a thousand. Spear phishing. Each email I send is targeted to a, to a specific individual in the hopes of increasing my return rate. And it may look like it comes to you from somebody you know or from somebody you have experience in in dealing with. And there's a recent addition to to the uh, the phishing collection, and that's whaling. That's right. Whaling is where I'm spear phishing, but now I'm spear phishing somebody who I know is important. Uh, I can't talk about too many details, but I have heard uh, a story about a CEO that was targeted by a spear phishing attack, and I saw the email. Email was very convincing and very well-crafted. Uh, these, these spear fishers and whalers are getting very good at their craft uh, and very convincing. So what's a way to guard yourself against this kind of thing? Just be very paranoid and very suspicious of everything you get. Uh, you know, if, you get uh, if I get emails from people I know 
and it's asking me to click on a link, and I, I'm not expecting that email. I pick up the phone and I call them. I say, hey, did you send me this email? Also important to note, and don't call the number that may be in the email because that phone number might be fake as well. That is correct. Don't call that number at all. But call the number that you have on file or look them up on the on the Internet or in a phone book if you still have a phone book. <laughs> That's right. All right, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.